everyone. You're listening to The Katie Helper Show, and I'm your host, Katie Helper. Also joining us is my co-host, Leslie Lee. Leslie Lee is a writer, critic, and broadcast journalist, and host of his own podcast, Struggle Session. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes, and as always, remind you that this show could not happen without the support of our listeners. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show, where for just $1 a month, you can help make the show happen. And for $5 a month, you'll qualify for great bonus content, including an alternative podcast feed and rarely seen clips that aired on our live shows. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. I'm Katie Helper. And on Thursdays, you know who I'm with? Leslie Lee. Hello, 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 everyone. Good to see you again. You too, Leslie Lee with that mellifluous voice, as they call it. How are you doing, Leslie? I'm doing good, doing good. How are you doing, Katie? You know, overwhelmed, annoyed, really disturbed by some Israel people, by which I mean people defending Israel. We'll get into that, but it's been a while. I, I did some of these kind of more serious streams. And, yes, uh, I saw that. You know. Now that, you know, now, of course, that the ceasefire is on, it's all fun and games. I'm just I mean, kidding. it's all fun. Yeah, obviously. It's just kidding. And that's actually what some of our guests will be talking about tonight. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit annoyed. I'm not going to lie, but we're going to get over it. We'll get through it. That's one of the reasons that I love co-hosting with you because you keep me grounded, Leslie. Oh, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. But you're righteous, too. You get angry, too. But somehow it doesn't. Somehow, like, you get affected, but, you know, Jack Allison, for instance, on the other hand, gets oh, angry. Oh, Jack runs hot. R- he Jack runs, runs hot, yeah. He runs yeah. hot. He's runs hot. I think I run cold, but, you know. You do. You, you kind of do run. Yeah, you Go, do. Cold yeah. can kill you, too, so. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also deadly, yeah. Do you do you trend hot, like, physically or cold? Uh, you didn't think I'd take it there. Trend hot physical. I don't know. I'm from Louisiana, so I'm used to it being warmer and right. colder weather. I do not like. I do not like at all. I remember one time, the first time I went to Montreal, made a mistake of going in February, not realizing that in other parts of the country that's still winter. Right. <laughs> and um, so I went to Montreal in February without a coat. Had no idea it could even get that cold. I didn't own a coat. I lived in Louisiana. Whoa, Southern. Like southern I, I didn't child. own yeah. a coat at all. Yeah, you don't need to own a coat in Louisiana. At least you didn't. Uh, the climate has changed a bit since then. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to respond to the trolls, right? Yeah, yeah. No troll, trolls. No trolls. Unless they pay. So people who are fetching in the chat, feel free to pay some money or STFU, which is shut the fuck up. But I say that lovingly. And yes, you know what? Let me just give a lay of the land. So some people in this chat are very stupid and annoying. God, I, I am really, in, I'm sorry. I got to be, <laughs> Leslie's eyes just went <laughs> like that. Yeah. I'm just, I'm in a bad mood because people like Deborah Messing are pissing me off. Oh, you got these awful pe- stuff. Awful stuff. People engaging in Hasbara, which is Israeli propaganda. It's a Hebrew word. So you're good, Leslie. How's your week so far? Oh, we so far are so good. I mean, obviously, this is kind of small uh, compared to what we're going to be talking about later. But the artists I really, you know, 
loved and respected and meant a lot to me. Uh, it was announced that he passed away uh, oh, no. or, uh, in May. Uh, Kentaro Miura, a Japanese mangaka. A ja- manga is just a Japanese for comic book. And he made the comic book uh, Berserk, which was a really big, influential, dark fantasy comic book that inspired a lot of stuff that people have seen, like Warcraft, Final Fantasy, all that good stuff. Basically, any kind of dark fantasy that's come out since the 90s, even Game of Thrones even, uh, takes a lot of inspiration from it. It probably has uh, some inspiration uh, from him. So it was very sad that he passed away. And his uh, work, uh, sadly, will forever be unfinished because he he only did one he only worked on this one comic book and his he spent so much time and effort into the artwork and crafting and the storyline that it took him years between uh, chapters sometimes wow. but it, it will it will uh, i think it will remain unfinished but no, i think that's kind of okay because that the story the story was actually quite you know deep and philosophical and and about you know accepting pain and loss and trauma through the lens of a guy with a giant sword fighting demons, but it was still one of the most touching things you'll ever see. This kind of medieval fantasy where demons kind of rule of uh, the world and everybody just lives fighting in their never-ending wars and stuff. You, you can see why I might find it, you know, somewhat interesting. Except that, you know, the, the leaders of our world aren't literal demons, but they more or less uh, have the same uh, MO where all of humanity basically fights for in their little petty wars and suffers for it. But yeah, right. that's just some of his art. It's extremely beautiful, extremely uh, detailed. So if you look up uh, R.I.P. Mirror, there's a great thread of all his art artwork. So make sure to check it out. And you might recognize a couple of things because a lot of people jacked his style. If you ever played the Dark Souls games, a lot of them borrow from that. If, and, when. but yeah really cool really creepy but for mature readers only i do have to put that caveat don't go getting your 12 year old a copy of berserk no that would be quite mature right they're quite mature 12 years old yeah rj ramrod says also for any dark soul fans watching the stream berserk was a huge influence so yeah well r.i.p as you said there's a lot of serious stuff that we're going to be talking about on the stream so we just have to bear in mind that things are important even when they're more important things. Yeah, we talk. We can talk about it all yeah. on the KU Upper Show. Yeah. yeah. Art and politics. Art and politics, yeah. I'm really excited. Let's see. When our first guest gives us a thumbs up, we'll bring him in, but want to give him some time to, to get adjusted, make sure he's okay. But yeah, really excited. We're going to have on Jim Zogby, the president of the Arab American Institute, and then we're going to be joined by Norman Finkelstein, both very knowledgeable activists, scholars. And yeah, I, I'm really excited. Jim Zogby was a big Bernie guy. That's how we, I think we first met each other that way on Twitter. One of the OGs. You know who else he was friends with and a supporter of and an activist with? Someone else who ran for president. Let me see if I can give you a hint. His first and last name have the same letter. So he has a comic book name like I do, Leslie Lee. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Uh, trying he, to think. He's unique historically. He would have broken a color barrier. Oh, Jesse Jackson. JJ. Yeah. Yeah. So bringing into the chat, Jim Zogby. Hello. Hi. 
Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Welcome again. And just wanted your uh, response to what has been happening. The, I guess, announced ceasefire. Also, shout out and gratitude, as always, to Bernard for doing what he did this week in Congress vis-a-vis Israel-Palestine. So where do you, where do you want to start? What's on your mind right now? <laughs> the first thing I'd say is that I'm glad that the, there's a ceasefire. But at the same time, I worry that no lessons have been learned and that the lessons are many. Uh, one is that just as Hamas rockets don't end the occupation, Israeli bombardments don't end the resistance to occupation. A lot of people died as they've been dying for years with these conflicts. And because there's no adult supervision, everybody keeps doing what they're doing. I mean, if if I thought that this ceasefire included an end to the strangulation of Gaza, an end to Israeli efforts to de-Arabize, de-Arab Jerusalem uh, and build more Jewish settlements in, in Jerusalem and its environment, if I thought that it meant an end to internal checkpoints and a freedom of the Palestinian people to, to grow their economy and build homes without fear of demolition, I'd say maybe we got somewhere. But I, I don't think we did. Um, I'm not sure that Netanyahu gets the message. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that the United States has sent a message other than stop the bombing, which doesn't accomplish what needs to be accomplished to make sure we don't have this again. Uh, the second lesson I think that Israel needs to learn is is internal. Um, the racism against the, the Arab, Palestinian Arab citizens of the country <clears throat> exploded um, and uh, demonstrated something that Israel had ignored for decades, and that is uh, the, the indivisibility of the Palestinian people. They, they said during this last election, they said, oh, you know, uh, they want to coalesce with the Netanyahu government. Some of them want to coalesce with the the opposition to Netanyahu, uh, it's over. We don't have to worry anymore. We have peace with some Arab countries. We have the Arabs wanting to be in our in our government. No, they made very clear that there is a, a people who demand equal rights and justice inside Israel, inside the territories. And also, as we saw with the demonstrations in Jordan and in Lebanon coming to the border, uh, Palestinian refugees have to be factored into the equation. If there's no justice, I mean, Jesse Jackson said this back in, I remember the first time in 1984, Israel only have justice when, in peace when Palestinians have justice. Israel will only have justice when, Pal- peace, I'm sorry, let me say it again. Israel will only have peace uh, and security when Palestinians have justice. And there is no justice. There is no equality. There is no freedom to exist as a people in their land. Um and I, the idea that you could make peace with Arab countries and not make peace from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea has now been shattered. Uh, Israel has a problem, has to deal with the problem. And I think a third lesson is, look what's happened here at home uh, in the Democratic Party in particular. A very deep partisan divide has developed in public opinion and is now reflecting, it's percolated up. Mm-hmm. So you have members of Congress who come from, incidentally, the very same demographic groups that form the change in attitudes in the in the party itself, um, African-American, Latina, uh, and uh, Asian, and young people in particular, but also educated women. Um, 
they form a group in the Democratic Party that is the majority of their vote and stand in contrast on the Republican side to white, middle-class, middle-aged, born-again Christian males who form the bulk of the vote on their side. And it's like, uh, I, I, I say sometimes the, the Palestinian issues become like gay marriage in terms of the mm. mirror split between the two parties. But in the Democratic Party itself, there's a split. Right. Um, and you're seeing not only people like Ilhan and Rashida and, and AOC uh, and Marie Newman and Cori Bush and Jamel Bowman and now Rokana and others percolating up with this. They've got a base they've got to speak to. But you also find that the most uh, uh, solid supporters of Israel, uh, the Chuck Schumers and the, the Menendezes, I mean, finding a need to nuance and temper their statements because they also know which way the wind is blowing. Chuck Schumer doesn't want to get primaried. Uh, and these guys are, are reading the tea leaves and saying, there's something happening out there. We got to be careful. And, uh, and so that is another change. Something in the 45 years I've been doing this work full time, I've never seen anything this dramatic in terms of, of, of change. That's kind of where I'd start. Yeah, I think that that's true. It's been this like sea change and, you know, just having people like Rashida or as Biden called her three times, Rashid, having her make the speech that she did is pretty amazing. And I don't think anyone would have predicted that even a few years ago. Biden is another example of this. I mean, in some ways, he's still operating on an old playbook. But he knew we had to meet with her. He knew we had to give her a very strong shout out. Um, and uh, he's hearing from members of Congress, not Rashida in Michigan, that if you want to win in 2024, if you want to 2022, rather, the congressional races, do not alienate the Arab community. And maybe I'd add one more thing, too, and that is that the progressive Jewish mm, voice. Yeah. That when I first started this work, um, and all the way up to the the Jackson campaigns, there were progressive Jews in a number of groups: New Jewish Agenda, uh, Britsetic Shalom. Later, uh, Brera was another one. Uh, they were quite good, really good, but they were destroyed by the Jewish establishment. Literally destroyed. Um, they got squashed, and uh, they can't do that anymore. Uh, J Street is too strong for that. Jewish Voice for Peace, if not now, Ben the Ark, they're growing so rapidly that they can't be squashed. And so the change in the Jewish community is also a significant factor. They are our partners, and we work with them, as well as with Black Lives Matter, uh, to elevate these issues, and uh, the Democratic Party's changing. It's mm. got to change. Yeah. Someone in the chat wanted to know about Netanyahu's corruption trial. I don't know if that's something you've. Of course. Look, th- this guy, in many ways, he's Trump. Yeah. But he's smarter than Trump, which is interesting. I mean, he's, he's actually a very sophisticated maneuver. And the cruelty of this Gaza war is that it is something Netanyahu wanted right. and wanted to keep going because look what it did. Number one, it destroyed the chance of his opposition to form a government. He's now back in the driver's seat again. He needs to figure out a way to stay prime minister or else he's going to be in an orange jumpsuit. I I don't know if they wear orange jumpsuits in Israel, but whatever they wear, he'll be in one. Right. It wouldn't be the first one. You know, Omer went to jail for corruption. But Netanyahu's corruption is both significant 
in the, in terms of some of the charges against him, it's also quite banal. Right. I mean, the stuff his wife did collecting the bottles at the, the prime minister's home and the, the, to, to turn them in uh, and get the refunds on them that she pocketed. That's or, so funny. Every time they go on a trip, when he came in his last trip to the United States to meet with Trump, they brought three huge suitcases full of laundry to do in Blair House uh, to send it out to be done. And that just keeps going. It just keeps going. I mean, the number of charges against her are really, they're so banal, but they indicate a, a kind of sense of privilege and a sense of impunity that is really quite disgraceful. So yeah, he's in deep trouble. And the only way he keeps out of trouble, if he stays prime minister, otherwise he's going to jail. Right. Yeah. That is so fun. I mean, that almost makes me like her that she schleps laundry <laughs> to wash for free. I mean, well, she really schlepping. she's got, right. She's, she's got, got people to schlep. Uh, she has her uh, schleppers. Yeah. 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 There were number. There are stories about foreign trips they would take and, and in different countries, people would go, what? What what are you doing here? I mean, she came to Washington for like three days and brought three suitcases of weeks of laundry to get it done free and bring it home clean. I mean, that's really weird, but it's corruption and yeah. one of the sets of charges against them. What is your opinion on the future of Israel, uh, the future of Palestine, uh, BDS, the one state solution, the two state solution? It seems like there's been a change in opinion and rhetoric. And the acceptability of the debate, the, the famous Overton window. But what is going to happen moving forward, do you think? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. And I don't make predictions. What I do know is that what the conditions on the ground and the developments over the last several decades have led me to is the conclusion that arguing about one state, two state is not relevant and doesn't solve the problem. The problem is Palestinian human rights. The problem is Israeli behaviors in the West Bank, Gaza, East Jerusalem, and also in Israel itself. The, it, it's apartheid. The problem is equal rights and justice and freedom. If, if we fight for those three things, the rest will work its way out. But I happen to believe that there's I can't find a, a way to create a two state solution that provides any justice for Palestinians. And so I will continue to fight not for negotiations to some conclusion, that kind of removes me from the fray. I mean, if we focus on the end game, we miss what's happening right now, which is people are losing their homes. People are losing their land. People are being denied access. If you saw the film that was nominated for the Academy Award, The Present, which I recommend to all of your viewers to watch, it's on Netflix, it's on YouTube, it's a 24-minute short about a father taking his daughter to buy the mother an anniversary present and having to go through a checkpoint. And the humiliation he has to endure and what his daughter, his little, like eight-year-old daughter, sees happening to him and the brutality of this treatment, this happens every day. That's what we have to focus on. I mean, people who abstract themselves and say, well, let's talk about one state and, or let's see where we draw the lines, they're absolving themselves of the responsibility to address what's happening every single day in the territory. Mm. That's where our focus ought to be. All of our energy ought to be there. And I, I've come to call the two-state solution the two-state absolution because liberal members of Congress will say, we ask them, well, what are you saying about Palestinian human rights? And they'll say, mm, uh, I support a two-state solution. I don't give a damn what you support or don't support. I want to know what are you doing about right now? 
Don't absolve yourself of responsibility by saying, I support this when you can't make it happen anyway. And you're not going to do anything to make it happen. Right. I, I faulted the, the, the Democratic Party platform because while they have been fighting that platform fight now for 30 something years and um, the, uh, the the issue is not so much the um, uh, he opposes settlements, he says. Uh, he opposes annexation. He says so this is Biden. Uh, mm-hmm. He says he wants well, the language was really quite beautiful. It places equal worth on Palestinian lives and freedom and future. It was wonderful. But then they say no conditions on aid to Israel. Well, unless you do the one, you're not going to get the other. Right. Because if Israel feels that we say to them for how many years now we've said don't build settlements, they build them. We say don't do this, they do it. It's like if I had a child and I treated them that way, they'd be spoiled as all get out. Right. I mean, it's like, don't do this. Do it anyway. Mom's not going to do anything. Dad's not going to do anything. And and so it, I know it's it's people will say you're belittling Israel. But but the reality is that they have developed a sense of impunity because they know that nobody's going to do anything to them. Yeah. And that's the problem. Unless we put our foot down and say, you know what, like like George Herbert Walker Bush did or even Ronald Reagan did. At one point, and, and Gerald Ford did. I mean, why do Republicans get tough and Democrats get wussy? If we want Palestinians to have human rights, then we have to do something to stop the party that is violating those rights and not use quiet diplomacy, which is what we always do while we're talking to them about this. I mean, the first time I went to the State Department in 1976, they said, well, or they were seizing some homes of Palestinian Americans uh, to build a settlement. And and he said, well, we were engaged in quiet diplomacy with the Israelis. The Israelis seized the homes, built the settlement, and the quiet diplomacy continues. Israel pockets quiet diplomacy and goes on its merry way because they know there's no price to be paid. Right. I mean, I don't know how, and Leslie, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass it to you in a second. I just want to say one thing about the um, pathologizing, belittling of Israel. Like, let's just be honest. Israel's existence depends on the United States, right? And that's not a conspiracy theory. Like U.S. politicians say every time they talk about Israel, they they hail the special relationship, how unique it is that they, you know, unique allies, unwavering support. Um, That's just the the truth. And I actually think the enabled, you know, there's a big back and forth or who's really controlling it. I I don't know if like the enabled kid is calling the shots or like the enabling parent is, is responsible, but Israel does whatever it wants to do. And why would they not? I mean, I mean, they're not going to change morally. Look, there is no real left in Israel in part because we killed it. I mean, believe me, if we said to Israel today, stop or else, and then we delivered on the or else, there would be an internal debate in Israel about, well, maybe we ought to change direction. Maybe we shouldn't do this shit. Maybe we ought to, like, you know, figure out a way to make peace and provide justice and equality for people. But those voices don't exist anymore, partly because they know they're not going to win the debate. Netanyahu said when, when uh, in in like 2001 or two, he said to a group, he, was, he wasn't prime minister at the time, he was speaking to a group of Likudniks and he said, you know, I, I, the Americans are saying this, but I know how to change America. I know how to control America. I mean, he used words like that. Yeah. It was shocking at the time, but it was the reality. He knew 
that he could use his allies in Washington to cripple Obama. He knew he could use his allies in Washington to cripple Clinton during the period he was previously prime minister. He didn't need his allies during Reagan. And now, actually, it's shifted from the Jewish community because of the division to the religious right. I mean, Ron Dermer, the former ambassador, spoke in Israel recently and said, we don't can't rely on the Jewish community anymore. Our number one ally is the religious right. And uh, and that's where they are right now. The Jewish community has now become um, such a factor on the peace side, right? On the pushing for justice side that uh, APEC kind of sticks out there as an aberration, an aberration with lots of money and still influence in Washington, but they don't control the street anymore of, of debate in the Jewish community, which has now been empowered by these alternative voices and by young people in particular, right? Who like millennials everywhere are saying, I don't think I'm happy with this. The New York Times story today on Jewish youth, whatever, (laughs) really, I found it humorous because their right to observe that there's Jewish youth that are changing their opinion. They didn't quote Jewish youth in the story. Right. They, they, They quoted all people saying, oh, you were really worried about these young people thinking different thoughts. Why not do a story about JVP? And do a story about If Not Now or Bend the Ark or, or groups like that's a story worth writing about J Street U. I mean, th- these are people who are really interesting and reflective of a whole transformation in the country. Why not do a story about where and how the Black Lives Matter movement decided to become pro Palestinian, to understand the connections there? Why not do a story about the emergent voices in the Arab community? The street is no longer controlled by groups like APEC and Democratic Majority for Israel, who've now gone Trump-like in their vocabulary. And in the ad that APEC just did on Ilhan. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. With an ominous looking face, a picture of her in dark with Hamas and terror. I mean, it was like that would have been uh, that's the story in today's uh, in today's paper. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, Ariel, Ariel Gold story uh, a tweet on, on that. But it's striking to me. That with all the signs there that we ought to be getting, nobody still gets it. Uh, not nobody, but I mean, the establishment still doesn't get it. They still think they're part by the old rules, and they're not. All right. Well, Leslie, do you have a... Yeah, so, uh, Jim, you uh, talked about, you know, Netanyahu, like, on a personal, you know, level, like, why he wanted to do this. Did this offensive seem to to have like gone too far and crossed the barrier for a lot of people. And it's, I think the main thing that upset people was the bombing of the AP uh, building, the media building where it was, you know, it seemed pre-planned. There seemed to be no real urgency and it was just a demolition of a building. And people were just looking at this wait a minute, Like this is even like war. Like this is even like, this is a demolition. So people are trying to They're understand like why they do it. So I, I still don't know like why, which especially now in the time of social media, why would you be so brazen? Mm. Uh, and, and even if you want to level stuff, level a neighborhood where no journalists live, if that's your goal, well, you know, they've been doing that too, my yeah. friend. Yeah. They've been do- of course, of yeah, course. I, I but it's just seen that extra like step. Yeah. The issue of the buildings um, comes right out of a neoconservative playbook that if you're strong and decisive and you shock, remember the George W. Bush 
attack on Iraq was shock and awe, yeah. right? It was, you, you come up with such a huge display of power that the, that the little natives will just uh, bow down and say, Sahib, you know, that's the mindset is that we'll shock them into submission. And then when that didn't work, they bombed the desalinization plant. They bombed 17 hospitals. The only place in Gaza that does COVID testing, they bombed it. They destroyed the power plant, which incidentally we paid for. The American people paid for the desal plant and the, and, the, and the power plant. So people in Gaza had no water. They had no electricity. And I saw an article in the Israeli press where a general was saying, this is a mistake because if they have no food, no water and no power, they're going to come rushing to the border for us to save them. What are we going to do then? I mean, how cruel is that mindset that you want to so shock and traumatize the people and then deprive them of the basic needs of life that they will come crawling. And so I, I, I think that there's a lot to unpack about what happened here. But I, I, I think that Netanyahu, it started with Jerusalem. Hamas got into the act. And I, you know, some folks on the left don't like it when I say it, but son of a bitches never should have started this. I mean, in that way, the eyes of the world were on Jerusalem. They were on Al-Aqsa. They were on the evictions. And Hamas comes and gives an ultimatum. Either you pull out or we'll start bombing. Well, they, they had no ability to turn the tide on that. And even now that hundreds of people are dead, I do not think Israel is going to stop one minute. Uh, evicting people in Jerusalem and continue to assert their control over East Jerusalem. So Hamas wanted to be the center of the story. They wanted to be the, the defenders of the Palestinian honor, in part because the Palestinian Authority is so dead and corrupt in so many different ways that they have no longer provide any leadership. I mean, Israel squashed the Palestinian leadership and Hamas went into the fray. And I, I think that I do not support them at all. But Netanyahu's response to this has been not even borderline criminal. War crimes were committed. Deliberate war crimes were committed. You know, you talk about the, the media building. They said they gave 10 minutes to evacuate the building and then they blew it up. Jesus Christ. It's 10 minutes? Why even give it They always give 10 minutes. That's their, 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 their thing. They, there, well, there could easily be people in there, right, who didn't have yeah. time. I mean, I had no idea. Well, we, know, I, we, won't know. we won't know for weeks how many people. But there could have been, right? Like a 10-minute thing? If you're in the bathroom, if you were a disability? There were there were a lot of people in some of the other buildings who did get, did get, get, get killed. And one a non-AP family. building, right? Right. We right. don't know about how many not, people... Not that, that we know of. You're right. That we know yeah. of. Sorry. Yeah, right. Um, That's right. The interesting thing is that we probably won't know because the only way we will know is if there's an, an independent international investigation, which there will not be because the Israelis in the U.S. won't allow it. And so what you're left with, and this is another thing, just a, a, a maybe a final point here, is the reporting on it, which has been somewhat good in some ways. But in, in another way, it still does the, you know, Palestinian family, 11 children killed, comma, the Israeli military is investigating it. Right. Well, Jesus, what does that even mean? Where, where are they investigating it? From Tel Aviv? Palestinians aren't even allowed to count their own dead. You know, we have to wait. But but the point of that is that the Israelis have learned in their propaganda campaign that if they can create a seed of doubt, make it a he said, she said, then focus won't be on them and they won't get condemned for. It. Well, we don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe, they, you know, the Arabs always lie, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so 
you know, the AP and, and Al Jazeera said there were no Hamas people in the building. The Israelis said there was. They blew up the, the building. We don't know how many people died and we don't know if there was anybody in it. That's actually really true. That's really true. And no one, I mean, no one's raised that at all. They've just taken it as fact. Yeah. Blinken said, I have no evidence. And then the Israelis said they supplied evidence. And then he said he can't share it. Well, it's kind of important when this sort of tragedy occurs that the truth be known. But as every, you know, when the Goldstein report came out after the 2008, 2009 massacre in Gaza, which was a basically a, another war crime criminal shoot that killed, you know, so many people. Right. I met Justice Goldstein twice and he was, as, as a Jew, was traumatized by what happened. Yeah. Lifelong Zionist. And hurt by what he saw. And they pummeled him and his family into submission. They wouldn't allow him to go to the bar mitzvah of a grandchild in Israel. They wouldn't let him in the country. And so he finally re- recanted yeah. the report. That's the way they operated. So messed up. Is that sort of use of intimidation to get people quiet and or, well, Goldstein rejected his report. He actually didn't reject the report. He rejected one thing. He rejected saying, I think it was he rejected saying war crime, but he didn't deny the rest of the report and made it clear. But they then created enough of a he said, she said that they figured the attention was off. And Palestinians say, let's go to the International Criminal Court. What's the response? The U.S. sanctions (laughs) puts sanctions on the International Criminal Court. I mean, it's we're not looking good in this. We're still not good in it. There, there needs to be an independent investigation and there needs to be an adult supervision over this conflict. And if the U.S. can't do it, then they ought to step aside and make way for somebody who can, because frankly, it's out of control. And I, like I said, ceasefire, yeah, but I don't know if anything's going to change because I don't know if we're going to be uh, able or willing to be tough enough to make it change. And in the meantime, you've got Palestinians being shot in the West Bank when they demonstrate. You've got people in Gaza who are just, I've proposed today, I I did a tweet a little while ago uh, saying that maybe one gesture the US could do is send a medical ship off the coast of Gaza. The Israelis are going nuts. You can't do it. But, But they can't bomb the hospitals, bomb the one COVID testing place, have less than 1% of the population vaccine vaccinated and then deny that the United States working with the United Nations uh, in Gaza shouldn't be sending medical supplies to help this urgent crisis now. It shouldn't be up to um, other countries to do it. We supplied the bombs. We at least ought to pick up the, the slack to heal the wounds of the bombs. It's our responsibility and we have to own up to it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, and, yeah. Any final points? I mean, that was a good, good great thing to go out on. But yeah. Um, yeah. And th- thanks for all the work you do. If people and, want to retweet that. Uh, oh, yeah. Let me let me let me find that. Yeah. I call It's JJZ1600 is my, my Twitter handle. JJZ1600. Retweet yeah. it. Get the word out. A medical ship for Gaza. I think it's absolutely critical. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So thank you, Katie. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. Um, thank you. Back again. I enjoy Definitely, it. Yeah. Great. See you guys. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. By the way, just to clarify, I know that they didn't give any warning for the for the residential buildings. And and of course, like Leslie's point was that not that it's worse to kill 
to bomb a, uh, an AP office is his point is that people it's worse optics. If I, yeah. if I, am I correct? Yeah, it's like, I, absolutely. You don't value, you don't value the lives of journalists more than, um, <laughs> than, you know, c- other civilians. But what's significant is I that, would, yeah. is the, like you were saying, the brazenness and the audacity, because yeah. usually Israel would be afraid of, I mean, they, they'll kill Palestinian journalists till the cows come home and they have, but this being an international office yeah, that was what a, was surprising and especially strange because uh i think it was ap they just put like the guy who is like their guy in jerusalem like basically is like a cutout for like the right. idf like more like you can look at his bio and basically that and he just advertised for the first time that they're gonna have a correspondent actually in gaza and they just put up the job advertisement after the war started after the war started, so this is these are not this is not a group that's a threat in any way to the state of Israel. So I have no idea why. I mean, why they would why would they would go through with that? Why when you have like the cameras there, video there, footage there, everybody's going to see, and people are just going to react differently than the horrors that they've seen um, times before where they just scroll past. People just, Americans will stop and wait a minute, they bombed like AP. I thought that's where, isn't that where we get their news? Aren't those a bunch of like Americans and Brits uh, that they bombed? They bombed their office. They could even grab their MacBooks. That's what shocks Americans. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you guys, we're at, we added, you know, I say sometimes we have surprise guests. We're going to have Norman Finkelstein on, but we're going to have someone else before him. We're going to bring into the chat a man who needs no uh, introduction, at least on this show. Um, you know him, you love him. He has, uh, he's from the Gray Zone, publisher, founder. He's a journalist and his name is Max Blumenthal, author of a bunch of books, including on, on Israel. Goliath. Goliath, yes. Which I read back in the day. Sadly, I had the ebook version because I was moving to Japan. I didn't want to buy any new paper, uh, any paper books. But man, that book absolutely opened my eyes so much. That meant so much to me. I, I don't know if I ever told you, had a chance to tell you that, but great to see you again, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's... I think the book's seven years old. It's definitely aged very well. I think I got attacked for, you know, being too uh, tough on this otherwise peaceful, democratic Israel. But uh, I think I might have gone too soft given recent developments. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of younger people don't even know the book exists so I'm glad you brought that up and I'm, I'm glad it had an impact because, you know, writing the book had a huge impact on the way that I view the world. Yeah. So a lot to talk about. I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about. Oh, yeah. Good friend Main of the show. Event here. <laughs> Deborah Messing. Uh, Deb I don't Messing. Even know who, honestly, I don't even know who that is. So she's from Will and Grace. I think you'll be able to. I don't want to spring this on you, but I kind of feel like Matt. Uh, Max, you'll be able to handle this if we just show it to you. What do you think, Leslie? I know she's been saying stupid shit about... She's really stupid. She's like... I mean, poor thing. I almost feel bad. I I think I tweeted this and I almost feel bad uh, engaging with her because she it is like picking on a little kid it's really yeah, like she, picking on a little kid but she's like a him. hollywood liberal but p- because she was on a show that had lgbtq like themes 15 years ago but it was still very tropey and she's like ridden that wave into 
like pretending she's an activist and yeah. therefore also like smart and has great, great opinion. So obviously in over a hit, obviously someone telling her what to say yeah. and her botching a lot of it. Yeah, so, there's wow. definitely she's also the, the person who told uh, Nina Turner, like, um, I'll I'll have Stacey Abrams. Exp- uh, I'll tell Stacey Abrams to, to, to tell explain it to you next time I talk to her. Like yeah. really try remember that she tried to name drop her uh, black friend Stacy. <laughs> <Nina Turner. laughs> yeah. So here's what Deb would, would like us all to know. Please take three minutes and read through this carousel. There is so much disinformation about Israel being spread and it is getting people hurt. There are videos from all over the world, including the U.S., of crowds of pro-Palestinian protesters attacking, beating, kicking, using pipes as weapons against Jews. Also, she's so dumb. She puts the number two in the second tweet. I mean, it's not a huge deal, but you know what I'm saying? That two, you're supposed yes. to, right? They oh, I guess use, she puts it at the beginning. Two, two pipes as weapons. <laughs> also, <laughs> if you just, use the parentheses, isn't it anti-Semitic? Like she's saying, oh, yeah, you're right. two is Jewish. Or? Yeah, Jewish <laughs> pipes. Yeah. Laying down the Jewish pipe. Okay. Um, pipes as weapons against Jews. It's horrifying. Attacks against Jews has increased 483% in the last 10 days. 86 attacks. Hamas is a terrorist organization whose sole purpose is to kill every Jew and destroy Israel. Most people living in Israel want peace. I pray for a two-state solution. I pray for the killing to stop, but this is impossible. Also, where's the closed asterisk? Uh, But this is impossible as long as Hamas is allowed to continue its campaign to destroy Israel. Hamas must be defeated for the safety of everyone in the region, for the safety of Jews everywhere. Please read the carousel, get informed, share it widely. Disinformation is gas on the fire of anti-Semitism, and it is everyone's responsibility not to amplify disinformation on social media. It hurts. If you are an ally, please act like an ally. We need you. And here's the carousel. Okay, guys, ready to take a ride on a car- on this carousel? It's so do, obvious I, that there's like Hasbar. This is clearly a campaign. Yeah, I even I know wanna, some of the people who are pushing this stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do want to mention that, you know, there is a brutal war going on and you might think she tweeted about that, but she actually didn't. <laughs> the only people she's concerned about, it, it's not even... Yeah, like, you're she right. Mention, even like, both sides. She didn't even do like the rocket attack. She didn't even mention that. She just pulled these stats out of the air about this gen, like talking about this in a certain way is contributing to general anti-semitism so it's not even like a very bizarre framing and let's be real guys she contributes to anti-semitism like every time she speaks and makes it known she's jewish max and i are less safe yeah i was just looking up if she was and i saw she went to brandeis so i was just like god damn it she's not like i was hoping she would be like some christian zionist or something so here let's look at the carousel shall we you know that the woman doesn't know that what car- would never have known to use the term carousel. Clearly, there are people sharing this and they're like, Deborah, thanks so much. Here's a carousel we'd like you to share. Yes. With your, you know what I mean? With your followers. <laughs> so stupid. Thanks again for listening to The Katie Helper Show. To hear the rest of that discussion, please join the Patreon at patreon.com slash The Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash The Katie Helper Show. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And as always, we remind you that this show could not happen without the support of our listeners. Our show is produced by me, Katie Halper, Nick Palm, Brad Bloom is our audio engineer and an associate producer on the show. Our researcher is Joshua Bregman. And our theme song is by the band Cordova. 
See you next time.